But I like that bottle better than the you're listening to The Whiskey Philosopher with Jeff Cooper on the Ignotainment Media Network. Undistilled thoughts, blended opinions, on the rocks. Please listen responsibly. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to The Whiskey Philosopher. Episode 3, folks, we're on our third one. We're finally starting to get organized with our website and our email and social media and all sorts of things. Let me give you all that info before we start. If you want to go to the website and check out any of the past episodes or send us anything, it's just thewhiskeyphilosopher.com with an E in whiskey, like Americans spell it. Email would be jeff, J-E-F-F, at thewhiskeyphilosopher.com. And Twitter is a little bit different just because Twitter is a pain in the ass, and that's at Whiskey Philosopher, but no I, no E in whiskey, so just W-H-S-K-Y, Philosopher, no N-E, so P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-R, Whiskey Philosopher on Twitter. Um, If you can leave a review and comment on the podcast on the iTunes store, it'd be greatly appreciated by all of us. Uh, You can't do it on your phone for some reason, which we're trying to figure out uh, when when that's going to get corrected, Uh, just, and it's not us, it's all of the iTunes podcast store, but you can do so on your laptop. We'd really appreciate it. So the background of The Whiskey Philosopher is this. For those of you that have listened to the first few episodes, thank you very much for subscribing. Uh, Anybody else that's listening right now and goes and hits subscribe, thank you in advance. When you do it after you listen to this one, thank you again. Um, But what we do on this show is we taste and we we report on or we, we, we give you our viewpoint on one whiskey per show. And we try to bring ideas to you uh, that make your day or your life just a little bit easier. Some stuff that's nice to learn, nice to uh, nice to uh, to help you out a little bit with with every day because things are always hard. But you know, if you can get through it with something that makes it, you know give you a little bit of enter- entertainment and uh, and some some facts or some helpful tips, that's what we do. This episode, even though it's one of our first ones, is going to be different. Uh, we're not going to have a guest on this episode. It's just going to be me. So brace yourself for me talking the entire time. Um, and we're going to temporarily change the name, and I'll explain to you why, but the, the, the name of this podcast is going to be The Tequila Philosopher because, uh, you know, and, and I'm sorry to the whiskey and bourbon folks, I promise you um, that, that you're going to like the episode, and I promise, promise, promise that you're going to love the tequila that we taste today. Um, and the reason that that we're doing tequila. Tequila is a great segue, uh, is because the topic of this episode is the great city of Mexico City. Uh, I'm currently in Mexico City with producer Chris. We're down here for work. We work for a company called Ocho.com, which is an online gaming company, um, and uh, and we're licensed here in Mexico. We, we do a lot of work here in Mexico. I spend about a week of my time per month here in Mexico, and um, and it's a it's a it's a great city. And so the premise of this show. And this is going to be a bold statement. This is going to surprise a lot of folks that that aren't in Mexico City uh, on a regular basis. But it is my opinion, and I think that it's shared by a lot of people that have come here, that Mexico City is the most underrated city on earth. It is such an amazing city um, and in every single way possible. And I'm going to go into that in depth as we talk about about Mexico City in this in this uh, this uh, edition of the Whiskey Philosopher, or for this edition, the Tequila Philosopher. You know, in the, in the U.S., we 
we hear a number of grisly, awful things about Mexico on the news. You know, you hear about the cartels and the kidnappings and the violence and all these other things. And when I come to Mexico, which I do, like I said, once a, once a month, uh, pretty much at a minimum, um, inevitably, everybody that I talk to says, oh, be careful, or isn't that dangerous, or oh my gosh, aren't you scared going to Mexico City? And it, it, it's, it's always, I just laugh every time somebody says it to me because you know the, the misinformation about Mexico City in particular is absolutely unreal. And contrary to everything that you read, everything that you watch, this city is amazing. It is safe, it is welcoming, it is fun, it is comfortable, it's great for business. Uh, when I say it's safe, look, all big cities have have their issues. We all know that. Anybody that's ever been to or live in a big city in the U.S. or anywhere in the world, there, there's going to be violence in big cities. It just happens. It comes with the territory. But Mexico City, as, as by the way, potentially the second largest city on earth after Tokyo, uh, depending on what estimates you look at, is an absolutely amazing city and very, very safe. It's welcoming. I mean, we all know uh, the the tradition, the tradition, and the the reputation that that Mexicans have for hospitality. It's absolutely true, and it's true for Mexicans that you know and that are your friends. And it's true for people you meet in a restaurant. It's true for people that you meet on the street. Um, it's an incredibly welcoming country. It's fun. It's a great place. Great restaurants. Great bars. Great nightlife. Great culture. Great parks. I mean, you name it. Mexico City has it, um, and it's also comfortable. Obviously, the temperature in Mexico City is almost always perfect, and we're down here in in uh, middle of January, and the, t- the high temperature day was 73 degrees. It was wonderful walking around in short sleeves and, and uh, enjoying the day, and it's nice and cool at night, so you can go out and you know wear a, wear a jacket, and it's just beautiful, and it's the middle of the winter, so it's amazing, and it's also great for business. It's got a great business culture. Um, everybody that I've met through our business has been incredibly trustworthy here. Um, business gets done on a very quick timetable unlike uh, other places in the world I've, I've done done business and been to Africa and 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 Asia and pretty much everywhere in between and I have to tell you that that as a business culture Mexico is is right up there and in fact there in a lot of ways I would take I would take business culture in Mexico over business culture in the United States um, just because there is a there seems to be a real code here of conduct and and um, trustworthiness and loyalty and those kind of things, which a lot of times you just don't find anywhere. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's really amazing. And, and so for me, what I really love about Mexico City is I love the balance. It's, it's got a great relaxed vibe um, that feels really healthy. It's almost zen-like in a way, a lot of green space, very family and friend-friendly, um, family and friend-oriented. Um, the focus is, is on relationships. So in that way, it's it's very very comfortable, you know, from an emotional standpoint and, and and obviously from a visual standpoint, and yet it also has a thriving day life that I mentioned earlier in the business stuff, um, and you know the business community here is as active and serious as any place I've ever been, uh, and a great nightlife and food, drinks and and laughs and uh, anything that that uh, that you want to do, you can pretty much do here. It's a great great place. Um, in fact, on my trip down, uh, headed down here. I've been down here the entire week. It's currently Friday. This will probably go up uh, tomorrow or Sunday onto uh, onto the store for those of you who are downloading it. 
Um, but we're recording it here Friday night in Mexico City. And uh, on my trip down here uh, on this past Sunday night, I reread uh, Ryan Holiday's book that's titled The Obstacle is the Way. Um, and it really helped me in a, in a weird way. I've, I've read it before. It's a great book. I love it. Uh, but it helped me almost from like a viewpoint, a personal viewpoint uh, standpoint, to fully enjoy Mexico on this on this trip. I, I mentioned earlier I've been here a huge number of times, and, I've, and, I, and I love it. I love the city. Uh, I love everything about it. But this time, there's something a little bit different, and I'm not sure what it was. Um, I had Chris with me, producer Chris, which is, which is fantastic, so that helps. Uh, and a couple of the guys we work with were down here. Um, but I really did feel in a weird way after reading Ryan's book that I was a little more in tune with sort of the minute-to-minute experience of the city. Um, you know, for those of you who haven't read Ryan's book, uh, Ryan Holiday is the author. Uh, it's called The Obstacle is the Way. Um, he's an accomplished author. I think I think he's written three or four books. The Obstacle is the Way is his latest effort. It's a fantastic book. I mean, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you read it yourself. Um, and and what, what I can do really quickly, I'll take a quick side note, Chris, if I've got the time, um, to, I'll give you some cliff notes on The Obstacle is the Way. Um, it's, it's a, I mean, after all, the show is named The Whiskey Philosopher. We it should is. talk a little bit about that. Um, but really, The Obstacle is the Way, it's a modern day starter's guide to stoicism. Uh, it, it gives a concise history of stoicism, an overview of the major stoics and their philosophy, who they were, etc. And then, and then it takes a step further because stoicism is a livable philosophy. Um, he, Holiday really gives a step-by-step guide for how to apply stoic thought and belief to your daily life, particularly to the tougher moments of your life. Um, and in a way, look, the subtitle of the book is something how to, you know, how to turn your greatest challenge into a great success, whatever. The, the subtitle sounds a little too self-helpy. In a lot of ways, the obstacle is the way sounds a little self-helpy to me. Um, and if it did, if it does to you, I fully understand that. And and by the way, as you go read this book, which I do urge you to do, there are elements of that in there, right? I mean, they've got to sell these books in Barnes and Noble. This is not, you know, this is sort of a a stoic book for every man, but there are a huge amount of things that I think we can all uh, all take away. And so what, what I would urge you to do as you read the book is to pay attention to the underlying content of The Obstacles of the Way. And for me, really, the main takeaway of the book is encompassed in one Latin phrase. And that phrase is amor fati, which translates uh, as love, fate. And the, the idea is don't ignore what's happening in your life. and Don't even endure what's happening in your life, but love it. Embrace it. Embrace it fully. And from an attitude standpoint, sort of go all in. You know, own your fate. Amor fati, love your fate. And that then combined with another Roman saying that, that Holiday brings up in this, which is memento mori, meaning remember that you're mortal. You're going to die. You have a limited amount of time on the planet, uh, in this life anyway. So why not love it? Why not enjoy every moment? You know, why not amor fati at the end of the day? Um, and, you know, make no mistakes. Stoics, they don't advise that, is just be happy because why not? What other choice is there, right? There, it it it's a um, it's a philosophy that 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 holds that you should be brutally honest with yourself, then embrace what that honesty uncovers. Which, when that honesty uncovers and you sort of have your fate laid bare, you know that's what amor fati is, and then you move forward based on those facts. And in fact, 
action is really, truly central to Stoicism. One of the most famous modern Stoics was Teddy Roosevelt. Um, and his quote is fantastic. I love it. Um, it's me, we, uh, his quote is, we must, all there, we must all either wear out or rust out, every one of us. My choice is to wear out. And I think, again, that really goes back to it because it's, it's the idea of just keep moving, keep moving, you know, and, and particularly when you're honest with yourself, when you, when, you, when you confront your reality, then you embrace your reality, then you start moving. That's when things seem to change for you uh, or for you. And, uh, you know, so I think, again, you know, the bottom line is get moving, embrace your fate for that day. Use that positive attitude to tackle any obstacle in your life. That really is the obstacle of the way, is the way. And what it did for me is it, it is, is it enabled me to come to Mexico City. And in any big city, there's obstacles, whether it's traffic or it's something frustrating in business or whatever it might be. And, and I was really able to, to utilize that here. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I, that, I, that I read the book on the way down. So anyway, go read it. You know, I don't want to, I'm beating it. A dead horse, you know, fifteen times dead. But go read, go read the book. Hopefully, it's going to help you with some aspect of your life. Um, if you're interested in other Stoics, by the way, go read anything by Marcus Aurelius. Meditations is the best one, or, or Epictetus, or Cato, Seneca, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt, Adam Smith, even Bill Clinton is 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 a Stoic uh, by belief. So any anybody that you go out there, and you can hell go Google Stoic, and you'll come up with fifteen different things. Um, so it's, it's, it really is an amazing philosophy. But what the show is, and what I was able to use my, my uh, sort of stoic rebirth uh, for this week, was to really enjoy Mexico City. And the, and the, and the story uh, of this show is that Mexico City is uh, the most underrated city on the planet, and it needs to be more appreciated. We need to, to hear more and more good things about it. And so this is my effort to sort of start that, that ball um, rolling downhill. Um, so as I stated earlier, and in homage to Mexico's native drink, we're going to taste a tequila in this episode rather than a whiskey or, or a bourbon. Um, and the tequila that we're going to taste today is Maestro Doble Diamante. Maestro, uh, Maestro Doble is the, is the, the it's actually Maestro Tequilera, I think, which is the tequilera, I think just means brewery for tequila. Um, and, uh, Maestro Doble is a is a very popular brand, very very good, and this is their highest end tequila, Diamante Diamond. Uh, Maestro is spelled M A E S T R O. Doble is D O B E L, and Diamante is D I A M A N T E. It is one hundred percent blue agave, made in Jalisco, Mexico. Um, and I'm not a tequila expert. Again, I've got a halfway decent amount of, of, of experience, but most of my experience with tequila has not been in the, uh, how do I say this nicely, Chris? It's not in the finer tequila section. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a... Or the coke. <laughs> exactly. It is the, uh, the 21st birthday tequila section, the, you know, 5 a.m. tequila section, those kind of things. Um, but a very, very good friend of mine from Mexico City says that he will only drink fully clear tequila because uh, in, in what, what he was telling me is that the yellow coloring in any tequila is indicative of impurities and thus makes it a poor quality tequila, which then makes all the sense in the world because I think every tequila that I've had in my life has been yellow or golden. Um, and so to be able to, uh, to uh, taste this Maestro Doble Diamante, which is a clear liquid, it looks like vodka at the end of the day, or water, 
probably more dangerously. Um, and uh, it's a sipping tequila, obviously. And the other thing that I've learned in my trips to Mexico is that tequila, you know, is not, it's not a shot as we think of it, right? It is a sipping uh, uh, alcohol like whiskey or bourbon. So it fits very, very well in here. Um, and it's best enjoyed very, very cold. So, um, you know, frozen or, or, or tequila that's kept in the freezer, again, a lot like vodka uh, in, in Russia and Eastern Europe, um, is, is uh, sort of the most preferred uh, method of drinking tequila. And, and some of my friends here actually like their tequila shaken uh, with ice, almost like a martini. So um, I'm going to take a taste here of this real quick, Chris, if you're okay with that, and let you know what the, what the tasting notes are going to be. That is ridiculously good. I mean, shockingly good, particularly because I, I, I do enjoy tequila. However, you just generally don't think in the U.S. of tequila as a sipping drink. That is it's just tequila on the rocks is, is, is basically what I just had. It's really, really good. Um, it, it is a, um, there's a saltiness to it and you can really taste the agave. I mean, it, it is, it is really, really good. The, the smell gets masked a little bit because of, because of the ice, but the taste is so good that I'm going to have a second taste while I'm sitting here tasting as an excuse to, uh, to keep going. Not to mention, by the way, doing these things solo, I got to rethink this. This is awful. I mean, I hope it's not awful for you listening, and I hope you're enjoying it at least moderately. But, you know, as the only person on and you just keeping talking, I'm good at talking forever, but good God, this is this is quite a bit. It does not seem like it would be as much, but it is. No, it really is. Yeah. It's in, in, in The other thing, as I just had my first drink of tequila in the podcast, the... You know, the other thing that, that I'm reminded of is that in the other podcasts we've done, it's 50-50. So I can sit here and I can have a, I can be taking a drink while they're answering a question or talking about something that, that is interesting. So anyway, back to the tequila. You can find the Maestro Double Diamante uh, at, at high-end liquor stores in the United States, um, at really, really, really good Mexican restaurants in the United States, and in Mexico at any good restaurant down here they should have. It's got very wide distribution down here. Um it's in the U.S. It's running about seventy dollars a bottle. It's not, it's not a cheap uh, purchase, but it is a fantastic, fantastic purchase. And so, for any of those, any of you who enjoy tequila, please, please go out and try this. For those of you who enjoy higher end margaritas, obviously go out and try this. Although for me personally, that would be, I mean, I can't imagine putting this in a margarita. However, if that's what you like to do, you can do that. Yeah, they also have a website if you'd like to read more about it. I think it's. MaestroDoble.com. Yep, MaestroDoble.com. That's exactly right. And keep in mind, by the way, the one thing that I'll, I will say before we actually get to Mexico City is that there is a difference between Maestro Double Tequila and Maestro Double Diamante. They're two separate levels. Maestro Double is sort of their, their normal run-of-the-mill tequila, although it is fantastic in its own right. Maestro Double Diamante is a different story, and that's, that's another level up uh, just as you're as you're looking at these tequilas, but it's very, very good. So anyway, let's get to Mexico City. This is a city that I have become, over the course of the past couple of years, passionate about, primarily because I really get angry when I flip on the news and I see another story about, about 
Mexico. And people always assume because there's a story about Mexico, whether it's in Oaxaca or it's in it's in uh, uh, Juarez up by the U.S. border, that somehow that's Mexico City, right? And um, and, and I'll be very honest with you because I, I I was hesitant to use the topic for a podcast. Number one, because I'm not sure that it's overly entertaining for folks that listen. Although I hope it, like I said earlier, I hope it's at least marginally entertaining. Um, and the other reason is because while I know that there's, look, there's 25 plus million people in this metropolitan area. That being said, I sort of feel like Mexico City is like my own little secret, right? It's a place that that every time I say I'm going, like I mentioned earlier, people are sort of dismayed. Oh, you're not going to go to Mexico City. Oh, be careful. And I just think maybe I should just let them be morons. Yeah. Let them think it's a bad place. I'll go down there. I'll love it. I'll have a great time. But because I love it so much and because... I really do, like I find myself getting irrationally angry when I see see or hear bad things about Mexico in the U.S. media, um, I decide to go ahead with the podcast. So um, if it's not entertaining, my apologies. We'll keep going. However, uh, it is something that I do feel really strongly about. So here's what I want to do, in, 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 and I'm not going to take forever to talk about Mexico City, even though I could, but I want to attack two huge common misperceptions, particularly in the U.S., about Mexico City before I give you some advice on what to do when you come here. And it's not if, it's when. If you, if you don't come to Mexico City, your life is not complete. I really believe that. It's that, it's that good of a city. Yeah. So the first one and the big one, and I've already mentioned it and everything else, is Mexico City is unsafe, right? Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. Um, and look, this is a big city. 25 million plus people. It might be the second largest. And the reason I say might be is because you know, there's some floating figures about potentially Lagos, Nigeria, Mumbai, India, Shanghai, China. You know, they're, they're, who knows exactly? What what is undisputed is that Tokyo is the is the biggest city on earth. Most people believe that the Mexico City metropolitan area is second. It's the second biggest city on the planet. So, being that big, of course there's crime, and of course there's violent crime. However, I want to give you some stats to. They're not really statistics, but they're just sort of comparative uh, uh, models on this. Mexico City, per capita, and overall. So this is not just like a a uh, you know who has more more of this or more of that, right? Mexico City is safer than Moscow, Paris, and Rome by by violent crime statistics. And by the way, I could have that list could have gone on for twenty minutes, but you know, most people that you've talked to have certain, you know, if they travel at all, they've been to Paris, they've been to Rome, they've been potentially to Moscow. It is, so So if you think of, if you think of somebody saying, oh, I'm going to go to Rome, and somebody says, oh, oh my God, are you going to be safe? I mean, it's, nobody would ever say it. Or Paris, right? Mexico City is safer than both of those cities by a mile. Mexico City is also, and I'm going to, again, I won't give an exhaustive list, but I will give a partial list. And when I say far safer, I mean by a mile by crime statistics, safer than Washington, D.C., New Orleans, Detroit, St. Louis, Miami. The list goes on and on and on. When I say to somebody, I live, I live in suburban St. Louis on the Illinois side. When I say to somebody, I'm going to go across the river and go to a Cardinals game. I'm going to go to a Blues game. Nobody says to me, holy shit, you're going to die. Don't do it. Nobody, right? Yet, Mexico City 
is safe by a large, safer by a large factor than those cities. And so, anyway, I can sum it up in this, and this is what I can tell you, is that after being here every month for the past few years, I would sleep, and again, just like any big city, there are safe neighborhoods and there are non-safe neighborhoods. But in the central business area and in the the sort of up-and-coming neighborhoods in, in Mexico City, I would sleep on the street of Polanco, Condesa, Roma Norte, any of them, before I would sleep on the street of St. Louis or any other major American city, to be honest with you. I mean, other than, other than the safest place, you know, other than like Scandinavia, I would sleep on the street here before I would sleep on the street anyplace else and not have to worry about, about anything. Um, and so look, while some of the country, some of the, some of the rest of the country may have their issues, and that's the other thing. If you look at Mexico, Mexico's got 36 states. They have real problems in four states. They're all near the respective borders, right, on the southern border or the northern border. Mexico City sits right in the dead center of the country, right in the middle. It never touches here. And so while there might be, not might be, there are issues with the drug trade, and there are issues with crime in those places because those things go hand in hand. You know, the, the author, Francisco Goldman, he calls Mexico City the bubble, right? Um, and by the way, if you haven't read Francisco Goldman's book called The Interior Circuit, it's a wonderful book. I mean, it's it's hard to read. It's about the loss of his wife, and and they're both very young, and he's heartbroken over it. But it's also a little bit of an ode to Mexico City, right? Mexico City sort of heals him. It's a true story. He wrote it about himself. Mexico City sort of heals him. So again, it's called The Interior Circuit by Francisco Goldman. It's a fantastic book. Um, but he calls it the bubble because the surrounding issues um, or the surrounding areas or the issues of the surrounding areas, if I could say my sentence correctly, don't ever affect Mexico City other than politically. Obviously, politically, because Mexico City is the center of government, things come here. So so anyway, that's number one. Mexico City is, is, is unsafe and it's absolutely untrue from a statistical standpoint. Um, and from a real life standpoint, this is somebody who's been here. I've walked the streets of, of these districts in the middle of the night during the day now for years on a regular basis and never had one problem, never, never felt threatened. I mean, it is a, an incredibly self place or safe place if you do what you have to do in every, any big city, which is just take basic safety precautions. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is that every time I'm here, someone says, oh, you know, yeah, you're going to Mexico. You know, you got to watch out. And it's like all, all, all of it is all lumped into one big, huge judgment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, it would be like if I lived here and someone said, or I said, yeah, hey, I'm, you know, head to the U.S., you know, headed to Wyoming. Oh, you got it. You know, the U.S., you know, you know, Detroit is dangerous. Right. Exactly. I mean, mean, it's like, you know, (laughs) and, 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 you know, and also in the media at home, it's like the way you know, when you see Mexico City on TV, you know, depicted in a movie, it looks like Juarez, you know, and it, it's, it's, it, it's an unfair representation of an amazing city. It really is. It's, it's awful. And, and so, again, one of the reasons for the podcast, if you're listening, please pass this on to people. Please stop being an idiot if you're American. Come here. Enjoy it. When somebody else says they're coming here, don't be an idiot and don't make yourself look stupid because that's the truth. When you say, oh, be careful you look stupid. You don't know the facts, right? So anyway, get the facts, come here. I promise you'll love it. The second one, and this is a, this is a big one and it's not, it's, it doesn't go any, it's not anywhere near the level of the, the crime and the personal safety one. But the other one that I always get is, oh, I've heard pollution is awful, right? 
And again, 20 years ago, pollution was terrible here. It is a gigantic city. So of course there's going to be pollution. Add that to the fact that Mexico City sits at a very high altitude, yet sits in a valley between mountains and volcanoes. So it's cut off on three sides. So there's very little wind that goes through here. Um, and they got their work cut out for them. You know, you get 25 million people in a big valley and you're sitting at a very high altitude. You, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely tough. Um, today, however, it, it is the, the, the pollution ratio in Mexico City is better than most cities in the United States. Again, particularly the larger cities, much better. And in fact, in 2013, Mexico won the Global City Climate Leadership Award um, given to a city uh, that is, is at this point now a global leader in the fight against pollution and climate change and all those other things. And they have, they have draconian measures for their citizens um, and, um, and businesses on, on pollution and everything else. So it's, it's a, uh, again, a misnomer. You know, this is not China. I mean, I've been to China. You go to Beijing and there are days where you can not only not see the sky, you can't see the sun. It looks like it is a rainstorm, but in reality, it's a bright sunny day, but the pollution is so awful, and this is both Beijing and Shanghai, that it's that you just you, you almost can't function, right? Mexico City is nowhere near that. The air quality in Mexico City is actually better than the air quality in Denver. It's better than the air quality in Los Angeles. It is a, it, you know, again, the facts are wrong. The facts are 20 years old, and for some reason we keep we keep uh, um, keep spitting them back out. Anyway, so when anybody when anybody reacts with horror about your upcoming trip to Mexico City, uh, please give them these facts. Uh, you know, you can be nice if you want. I'm generally not because it because it does make me angry at this point. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Um, so for that, if you haven't been here. Let me, let me give you a few things, and I, I do not want to want to beat this in the ground, um, particularly because it's just me talking, which bores me to death. I can't imagine how bored you are. Everybody out there except my mom is really, really bored right now. Um, hi, mom, by the way. Um, so anyway, a few more facts that that you uh, that you don't know about about this amazing city. The first is that this is the largest community of Americans outside America in the world. Six hundred thousand Americans live in Mexico City. I mean, that is larger actually than the than the real city of St. And the city of St. Louis is what, 350 or 400,000 people? So in Mexico, most of them, in fact, in Mexico City, there's 600,000 people, more than there are in the city of St. Louis. Um, the other thing that you probably don't know, and this is not necessarily my cup of tea every day, although I do enjoy it uh, periodically, but a lot of people are, are attracted to this, Mexico City has the most museums of any city on earth. More than Paris, more than London, more than Berlin, Rome, more than, you mean, you name the old world cities, and they do not have the number of museums that Mexico City has. Over 160 museums in the city, um, including, by the way, the one, the one that, that I don't think you should miss, that anybody should miss when you come here, is the National Anthropology Museum. It rivals any museum in the world, and is, I, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, I went to the Vatican at one point, and I remember thinking after walking through the Vatican, I could stay here for a month and never see the same thing and never get bored. And I feel that way about Mexico City's National National Anthropology Museum. Really is amazing. Um, the other thing, again, culturally, fourth, fourth most um, 
theaters. And what I mean by that is not Warenberg or movie theaters. These are like performance theaters. Fourth most in the world. New York is first. London second. Toronto is third. Mexico City is fourth. Again, more theaters than Paris, more theaters than, than Rome, more theaters than Berlin, more theaters than Los Angeles, more theaters than Chicago. I mean, it is, you know, you, you start adding these facts up and it's an, it's an amazing thing. It's the richest city in Latin America by far. So, you know, we hear all these stories about, oh, Brazil, the economy of Brazil is going crazy and they're so, they're doing, it, it, it pales in comparison to, to the amount of wealth in Mexico City. Mexico City is the eighth richest city on earth. So if you, you know, you figure that three of those or four of those are in the United States, I mean, it's, it would be number five in the United States or four in the United States. Um, and again, I'm, I'm sort of, I feel like a tour guide here at this point, a little bit spewing off facts, but um, there's, some, there's some also, also some cool things, right? Largest and oldest university in the Americas, in North or South America, mm. in UNAM, here in Mexico City. The only real castle, real like built to fight wars castle in the Americas is here in Chapultepec Park. Um, and this is this is a cool, I'm, 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 I'm Catholic, uh, and the Villa Villa here, uh, de Guadalupe, is the second most visited Catholic venue on earth after the Vatican. So multiple miracles have occurred here according to uh, according to the uh, the, the the church um, and it really is it's a it's a beautiful beautiful place and a lot of people come and and sort of you know do a pilgrimage to to uh, Guadalupe to uh, to see that the other thing is that Mexico City sits at 7500 feet elevation a little bit below that but right around there depending on where you go in and out it's 2,000 plus feet higher than Denver so you know drink your water <laughs> Be, beware of altitude sickness, all those things, um, because it is it is uh, it's high. So, anyway, what makes all these facts? What makes all these the city really cool is facts like this, etc. Um, but to me, what makes the city amazing is the people, the great restaurants, the bars, the the business climate, etc. I, I do have to take one time out on on a business climate thing because this is indicative to me of what's going on today in Mexico. I fly around Mexico a lot to various cities around, whether it's Cancun or Monterrey or, or Acapulco. Um, and every time I fly, I fly one airline. I should say this up front, this airline is not a sponsor of the show. So this is not, in, in no way is this, is this a, a paid advertisement. Um, it's Interjet Airlines. And they fly to the United States. They fly to, I think, New York and San Antonio. I know they go to Vegas, I think New uh, um Houston, Miami. So if you live in any of those places, please check out Interjet. Um, what I could say is hands down, and Chris, you know well, because you do the same thing, we fly a lot, right? We're traveling a lot, we're out there a lot. This is hands down the best airline I've ever flown in my life. The staff is amazing. I have yet to, I've, fly, I've flown this airline, a huge, uh, this airline a huge number of times. I've never, ever had a delay. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Weather happens, things happen, things happen. But for me, it's never happened. Um, and again, as a non-Mexican, you know, sometimes you're you know you're a little you're a little stressed about flying in a foreign country, particularly inside the, the foreign country, because things are you know everybody knows the rules and you don't really know the rules, and so you're trying to figure them out. Every single time I've flown Interjet, it's been the easiest thing I've done. Uh, I mean, in in any flight, so it's really amazing. Um, Interjet, by the way, 
this is and this is a cool fact for them. This is to me, this is the juxtaposition uh, and the transition between old Mexico and New Mexico. They are owned by uh, the Aleman family, which is an historic Mexican family. I mean, uh, Miguel Aleman uh, uh, Vasquez was the was the pre- the first president of modern Mexico, Mexico to hand over power um, democratically. Uh, his son Miguel Aleman Velasco was a senator and a and the governor of the state of Veracruz, and w- along with his son Miguel Aleman Magnani, founded Interjet. Miguel Aleman Magnani now uh, runs Interjet on a day to day basis, and and so he is he's a he's a young guy. He's um, you know part of old Mexico yet taking Mexico into the future, and it's really really cool to see that sort of transition. Uh, from an historic family to a, to a very modern, relevant family who's changing Mexico every day. I mean, I think a lot of the a lot of the press in Mexico, because that, that we see anyway in the U.S., goes to the Slim family, and uh, because you know they're up there with the Buffets and the and the uh, um, the Gateses and those kind of folks. But here in Mexico, it's people like the Miguel Alemans that are that are sort of changing the world as they go through. Um, and so, f- for anybody that really wants to follow Mexico. Uh, particularly travel in Mexico or any of those kind of things, you can follow Miguel Aleman Magnani on Twitter. Uh, it's Miguel Aleman, A-L-E-M-A-N-M. So Miguel Aleman M on Twitter. You can follow him if you want. I follow him. I get a lot of information from it. It's good stuff. Um, and so at the end of the day, I want to close out this podcast on the most underrated city in the world by giving you some of my recommendations uh, for things to do on your trip because I hope as you listen to this, what you're doing is you're listening to this, being sort of halfway bored and going on online and looking for your tickets to Mexico to come down here and enjoy Mexico City. Um, and so I just want to give you a couple things that I love to do here uh, as we go through because because uh, hopefully you can you can you can uh, follow that. Normally uh, with hotels, it, we differentiate between business travel and, and personal travel. Business travel, uh, we normally stay in the neighborhood of Polanco. Uh, we stayed at the Camino Real Hotel. Uh, El Presidente Intercontinental uh, or the Hyatt. They're all centrally located. They're all easy walks to and from places. All of them, again, great hotels, very friendly, you know, anything you'd expect to find in a city like Mexico City. Um, And if you want to go a little upscale and on some personal trips, uh, we've done this, you can go to the Four Seasons or my personal favorite, which is a little boutique hotel on Masaryk called Las Alcobas, the Alcoves, Las Alcobas. Absolutely uh, Stunning little hotel um, that is walking distance to anything in in Polanco. So uh, really, really nice places. So anyway, when you get here, you get up in the morning. What's the first thing you're going to do? My suggestion is go for a run. Go for, after you. You know, if you if you meditate or you do any of those kind of things, please do those. Get your mind right. All that stuff. Then go for a walk or a run in Chapultepec Park, and it's attached group of parks. It's sort of like a finger. You know, it's like the Finger Lakes, except it's a park, and it stretches all over uh, Polanco and into four or five different neighborhoods around here. Um, there's a ton of outdoor workout equipment. This is the coolest thing. So early in the morning, you go take a run in Chapultepec Park. There's all these outdoor workout equipment that that is completely foreign to us, right? We go to, we go to Gold Gym or the you know the YMCA or wherever you go to work out, and um, but here it's all of this body weight. Uh, exercise equipment in the middle of a park. And there's, there's, it, it, it really is like every few, you know, every like half mile, quarter mile in the park, 
there's another set of equipment and people are, people use it. People come out, they work out in the park, they run in the park. It's a really, really cool vibe and a cool thing to be surrounded for, for your, uh, for your daily workout. Um, and then, uh, for bars, restaurants, etc., actually for activities, I mentioned earlier the National Anthropology Museum. It's an absolute must-see. Chapultepec Park is the same way. The castle in Chapultepec Park is very, very cool. There's a lot of cultural activities that go on around it. Um, really, really cool stuff. Bars and restaurants, um, you have, and and when I when I give you this list, number one, I understand that you know a quarter of a percent of you are actually going to write this down. Um, but I give it to you because it's really, really hard for me to um, to pick because the the it is it is the culinary leader along with Lima, Peru, uh, which we could talk about that at some other place. The food in Lima is amazing, but the food in, in Mexico City is just as good, and it's absolutely amazing. So you can look for pretty much any restaurant that that you're going to walk into on a, on a you know on your stroll around is going to be very very good. But here's what I found as the best of the best in, you know, some sort of rough categories, right? The first is a restaurant called Dulce Patria, uh, which is actually right next to Las Alcobas Hotel on Masaryk. It's amazing. It's modern Mexican. Um, it's just incredible. They have the best margaritas I've ever had in my life. And, you know, no, to my comment earlier, they don't make them with Maestro Double Diamante uh, tequila, whatever they make them with. It's absolutely incredible. Um, the next is Las Canarias, the Canaries, um, which is also just off of Masaryk Avenue, which is a central uh, street in in Polanco. It's more traditional Mexican. When you go there, do me a favor. Order the escamoles. Escamoles is a very, very traditional dish. In fact, escamoles, the, the story that I've gotten is that it stretches back to, to uh, Aztec and Mayan times. Don't ask what it is, please. Just eat it and enjoy it. You will absolutely love it. After you love it and after you've really had it and you you, 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 you know you want to order your second serving of escamoles, then ask what it is and hopefully you're, you're not too grossed out. Um, the other restaurant is Suntory, which is on Reforma in Las Lo, in the Las Lomas neighborhood. It's, if there, I'm going I'm to make up a term, Chris, it's Jap-Mex. It's like Japanese, Mexican. If there is such a thing in the world, it's here at Suntory and it is absolutely fantastic. I actually ate there today. Um, and it was really, really good. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit of you know, shogun esque, where they've got the the um, the cooking platform in front of you, and they they do some things. But it's all Mexican oriented with with traditional Japanese cuisine. So um, you know the rolls are you know like tamale rolls and things. I mean it, it's it's really unique and really really good. Um, and then for just Old, 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 old school Mexican. Go to La Hacienda de los Morales, which is in San Angelin, San Angelin, which is in the southern part of Mexico City. It is, I mean, it's as authentic as you can get. Um, in an old school, it's an old school Mexican restaurant, in an old school hacienda. So a hacienda is, it was an old house, right? But think think like Mexican mansion. Um and it was once this this particular restaurant was once the home of a very very powerful Mexican family, and so go to those restaurants if you can. I think you'll enjoy them. Um, and uh, and I, what I do know, if even if you don't enjoy those restaurants, which if you don't, I'm going to be worried about you. Um, but I know you'll enjoy Mexico City. So you know, 
for those of you who who are thinking, ah, I'm probably never going to go to Mexico City, I apologize for 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 uh, putting this podcast in. But for the rest of you, and for anybody in your right mind, get here. It's that good of a city. It's incredibly overrated. Um, and if you have any comments on this episode, obviously, um, look us up uh, online, thewhiskeyphilosopher.com. Email me at jeff at thewhiskeyphilosopher.com or on Twitter, whiskeyphilosopher. Just leave out a bunch of the vowels. You'll find it. Search it and uh, and and we'll be on. Um, and again, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Please subscribe if you haven't subscribed so far. And, uh, and to all of those of you who have... Uh, downloaded this and subscribed so far. I really thank you. Actually, Chris and I both are shocked at how many people are are listening to this, and we really, really appreciate it um, and look forward to the next one. So we'll be back in the States for episode four next week. Thanks for listening, and uh, shoot us your questions if you have them. You're listening to The Whiskey Philosopher with Jeff Cooper on the Ignotainment Media Network. Visit us at www.ignotainment.com. With Adnick Hart in the nighttime, leave strange memories. Seems a lifetime.